From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders, while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. For every horror title to hit VOD, there are going to be countless others that end up DOA. Development Hell is a podcast dedicated to unearthing these plagued horror productions to find out what went wrong and if they still got a shot at the green light. So, okay, I might as well just jump in and start us off by saying, hi, I'm Josh Korngut. I am the host of this podcast and I'm a filmmaker in Toronto. Today's episode is going to be all about Alien 5. Now, I was going to call it Neil Blomkamp's Alien 5, but we're also going to dig into like the other iterations of Alien 5 that existed since 1997, which are cool. I'm here with a super special guest today. His name's Joe Lipset. Is that correct? Correct, yes. Um, and I'm going to let him introduce himself. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is yeah, Joe Lipset. I'm the uh, co-host of Horror Queers, and I write about horror in a bunch of different places. Cool. Um, yeah, Joe has been uh, the mentor on this podcast, so he's been really helping me out basically just helping me realize that it's not that hard to make a podcast and you just kind of have to do it. I am excited to talk to you today about Alien 5. I'm not going to lie to you. Would I have picked Alien 5 myself? Probably not, but I'm really glad that you did (laughs) because I've really gone down the Alien 5 rabbit hole and there's so much drama and there's so many 
characters that I wasn't expecting to encounter along the way. Mm-hmm. I have, oh, I have so much to say, so I'm excited. What's your personal, like, first experience with the Alien franchise? So I'm a big Alien fan. It's the reason why I asked uh-huh. if I could come on this particular episode. I'm a really big fan of this franchise. And not even like, oh, I really, really like Alien and Aliens and the other ones were like, okay. I'm like, I actually really, like, I love Alien 3. Okay, I'm, a, I'm a decent fan of Resurrection. I think it has flaws, but I think it's a really fascinating film. And then I, I'll confess the ones that I don't really love are the Alien versus Predator films, just because they're a little too action-y for me. Like, I like the science fiction element less than the action. Even the prequels, like Prometheus and Covenant, I'm relatively, like, I'm a relatively decent fan of them. Okay, interesting. I have not seen Covenant, so that's a disclosure right now. Okay. Um, but uh, Prometheus, very interesting take on the Alien universe, and I'm excited mm-hmm. for us to get there. One of my first impressions with Alien is I guess they got that 1999 like 20th anniversary DVD when it came out, and that blue or that DVD menu blew my mind. I don't know if you remember it. It was like alien like ship and it was like very cgi animated it i thought it was like wow this is the future of movies mm-hmm. also it scared the shit out of me that first movie as a kid oh, okay yeah that totally makes sense i mean it i know a lot of people will say oh it's a hallmark of the science fiction genre but for mm-hmm. a lot of people it's also just a quintessential horror like haunted house film in oh, space to- oh i like that you call it a haunted house movie in space that's accurate yeah it's controversial this whole sci-fi horror war that's going on when obviously it can be both so i didn't come to really like appreciate sci-fi till university when i had to take a like a sci-fi literature course Mm. and i was like okay so this stuff can be very heady and very like mind-blowing oh yeah um and now i'm here for it all the way i think i just like i'm a horror person obviously so i like at the end of the day if you're gonna give me genre please just give me horror yeah and where the two genres blur you can often get some of the most like weird unsettling visually compelling films like you said that that first movie was really visually great right like it's it, oh, yeah. science fiction is so fantastic it's showing you what the future can look like but it can also show you how shitty and dingy the future can look and mm-hmm. i i love the tension between retro futuristic and just regular future and the kind of grittiness that has infiltrated through the alien franchise is that everything looks advanced but it always kind of looks shitty because it's following blue collar workers and you're seeing that in the third one like very heavily when they're on that prison too mm-hmm. i like the third one i go around and i tell people that it's like one of my favorites even though i don't remember it well at all but i definitely am an apologist for the third film i should rewatch it just in case it's problematic and i need to recall on why i like the fourth film too so i'm happy to hear that you're that you don't hate alien resurrection yeah no there's there's lots of good stuff in there that i think people are just willing to disris to dismiss outright it's a confusing tone i'll give them that like the the art like the screenwriter and the director that they got together was like it's a bizarre combo it is quintessentially 90s but very bizarre Mm -hmm. oh it's all about co-opting adventurous (laughs) directors 
particularly if they're from other countries, it's like lure them mm-hmm. in with lots of money, let them make a blockbuster, but also don't let them do anything. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, that poor guy was probably so confused the whole time. He just wanted to make Amelie, <laughs> <laughs> but then if you're giving me $70 million, I guess I'll make Alien Resurrection. That's exactly. Funny. I mean, you're not going to say no to that kind of money. Let's be real. No, uh, I wouldn't say no to like $30,000 to make Critters 5. Um, Ooh, oh, Josh, no. Come on. Would you, if someone gave you $30,000 to direct Critters 5, you would say no? Come on. Uh, I don't yeah. know about Critters. I have never seen I haven't seen Critters 1. I'm going to be like Ronnie Yu, who like never saw a single Night Run on Street or a Freddy movie. And, and then I'm going to knock it out of the park. Yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. I like this for you. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, so if you had to say like what your least favorite of the franchise, would you say Resurrection? Or would you say one of the newer ones? I probably rewatch Resurrection the least, but I would, I mean, if I'm allowed to pick an Alien versus Predator, I'm oh, going to yeah. pick Why Alien. I'm going to pick Alien versus Predator Requiem just because I think that (laughs) film is actually ambitious, but it doesn't have a production budget. So it just looks like you're watching a dark screen because they can't afford lights. Um, It had a pretty decent poster, though. It does. So I'm going to give it that. Yeah. Shout out to the art department, right? Shout out to that art department. The first, I I don't hate the first movie. I definitely saw it when I was 12. So who's to say what I know? But Mm -hmm. it's so stupid fun. They could have made it like... I, can you make can you make an Alien versus Predator movie not stupid? I'm not sure. Maybe not. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure the people who really enjoy the Predator films would probably have a bone to pick, but I think the intersection can often lead to camp. It, obviously, Freddy versus Jason was going to be camp because those franchises are camp. But I can't speak for the Predator franchise. I know I'm, I'm like not exactly well versed with it yeah only seen the first one are you a predator person uh no i mean i'm 100 percent an alien person but i've seen actually you know what i've seen all of them except for the first remake the one with adrian brody oh predators uh, yeah never saw that one that's old now that's like from 2010 i I was researching and i was like what the hell uh, um did you hear there's like a secret new one in the works uh yes yeah just a couple days ago they announced we'll see if it comes together if not you could just do a future episode i'm really trying to find ones like uh projects by by women directors that that fell through the cracks so if you can think Mm. of any please send them my way because i'm having a hard time with google well Um, i mean i can tell you why you're having a hard time it's because they tend to give films for women one chance so uh like a woman will get an opportunity to make a film and then it's like "Mm, okay you if you didn't succeed that's it that's you're like in jail your forever rachel taylor i'm sorry yeah and even like um, mary fucking lambert it's insane pet cemetery of course and this is like a madonna icon how dare you not give her a full career mm-hmm. although pet I cemetery mean, she, 2 pretty good well and that's the thing like she she made that it didn't make enough money to them even though it did very well and then she couldn't get movie work for decades Oh, yeah, they're just looking for an excuse to throw women out to sea. Mm-hmm. Um, fine. Okay. Um, so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to give everyone like a quick rundown of what we're going to be talking about so they're not super lost and confused. So in the episode breakdown today, we're going to be talking about the alien resurrection era and how that leads towards Alien 5. Uh, we're going to give a brief history of Alien 5 back in the 90s. We're going to talk about Neil Blomkamp and his Alien 5 moment that never happened but really should have. We're going to talk about why it didn't happen and decide at the end of the day if it could. 
So I'm going to let Joe start us off and tell us a little bit about the alien resurrection era and how that led us to uh, where we are today. This is fascinating. You put a lot of this together and I read it through kind of like a weird oral history. And it's really, uh, you know, you you look at the possibilities that could have been like, I didn't realize that the first choice for Alien 4 was actually Danny Boyle. Mm -hmm. And that would have been absolutely amazing. Like director of Sunshine, director of 28 Days Later. Danny Boyle seems like an unorthodox choice, but this if you think about the alien films, they often had that, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, I don't think anybody would have gone with Jean-Pierre Jeannette as a first choice. And <laughs> yet weird. he got that gig, right? So I'm glad for him. Yeah. Yeah. So he, so Danny Boyle was on the way up and they wanted him and he said no. So it was actually his decision not to proceed. And then the same thing happened with Peter Jackson, who would have again been a fascinating choice, but I think inherently wrong for the material. Oh, why? Uh, I mean, I'm thinking of where he was in the mid 90s. And okay. he he would have just been either. I'm trying to remember my history, but he would have been coming off the Frighteners or going into it at this time. I think that was 96. But who knows when he was making that? That's true. Such a good right. movie. My God. Yeah, it's great. But if you think about like tonally shifting from funny ghosts, well, actually, you know what? Maybe we would have gotten the exact same movie if you think about it. Yeah, people would have hated it, but it would have been good. And maybe a better relationship with the cast, because of course that was. Oh, yeah. Point. We'll get there. Although, um, what was that movie he made uh, with Kate Winslet? Uh, Heavenly Creatures? Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with that. Oh, of course. Sorry. Yeah. okay so danny boyle no peter Mm -hmm. jackson no and then at this point the usual suspects had just broken big so they approached brian singer and they were turned down again and we should at this point acknowledge the weirdness in the room of course we have to talk about brian singer even though we don't want to Okay, so enter the picture, the person who ultimately ended up making Alien Resurrection, Jean-Pierre Jeannette. So he is a French director. He ultimately decided to make it even though he believed that the franchise was done. Because, of course, Alien 3 ends pretty definitively, Mm -hmm. and it did not get a happy reception. Like, fans were pissed. That she died? That's why people were mad? That was it. Which is funny because, like, it was Sigourney Weaver's decision. She was wow, like, I'm done, thanks. Come on. <laughs> yeah, she, she has a lot of, like, firm, hard opinions about this franchise. I kind of feel like she's kind of in charge in a way, and I like it. Oh, yeah, which I think is actually going to be very important to our discussion about how five did and didn't come together. Like, mm-hmm. I, it all kind of ends up coming down to whether Sigourney says yes to things. Uh, yeah, fuck you, Joss <laughs> Whedon, but we'll get into that. <laughs> yeah, another new problematic fave. So. I know. Uh, um, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Jean-Pierre Jeannette, he had made a couple of very well-received, but very grim, almost like steampunky, not commercially successful, like in the way that we would expect a a promising Hollywood director to be. So he had made Delicatessen and The City of Lost Children. Okay. Um, I love these movies. My t- French teacher showed us Delicatessen in grade nine. Oh, like, why no, are you? That it, is oh, inappropriate. <laughs> oh, but it was, he, yeah, he was a wild character. But that movie is bizarre. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and aesthetically so 
like grotesque and gorgeous and so french just on every level very french yeah and then uh city of lost children is amazing i would honestly say it's probably one of the hallmarks of french cinema like delicate dozen is the one that really gets them on the map but i think the city of lost children is the one where you're like if you're an art film person you have That's this so poster good. up on your wall ron perlman mm-hmm I, I was listening to a podcast about Lou Pearlman today, and I almost made that. Do you know who Lou Pearlman is? I is the manager of Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah. Very a different. Wild disconnect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what an icon, though. Hellboy. I'm obsessed with him. So yeah, um, yeah. It's really good, but it's. I mean, visually, like aesthetically, you can see the genesis of a lot of resurrection in both of these other films, oh, but. Yeah. I, I just can't imagine that you look at those movies and say, yes, let's give this gentleman $70 million. Yeah, it did not. It just wasn't successful at the end of the day because mm-hmm. people weren't into it. But if you look at this movie after having seen Delicatessen or City of Lost Children, it definitely makes sense. I think if yes. you go in without knowing about his resume, you it just kind of seems, I don't know, maybe even kind of cheap. It, like, this, the aesthetic doesn't, doesn't, make sense unless you sort of know who you're dealing with yeah and i i think particularly when you look at this as the fourth film in this quadrilogy up to this point right like the first one is so cold and sterile and then the second one's a war movie so really like you're not spending as much time on ships the third film is set on a prison planet so it would make sense that it's not you know great like visually speaking and then this one is like Yeah, they're a bit of a ragtag bunch, but they're still camping out inside a government ship. And it it still has that kind of gritty, grimy feel to it, but not in a like, oh, it's run down. It's run by blue collar workers. It's like, oh, this is just shit. Tell me if you agree with us at all. Does it kind of like almost feel a little bit Canadian 90s in a way? (sighs) Yes, it's oh, giving me Johnny you. Mnemonic vibes, um, Screamers I, vibes. Yes, 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 or like um, Vincenzo Natali vibes, kind oh, of. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. a little um, Cubish. Yeah, which is one of my faves. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, we, we like to talk about how Canadian film doesn't really n- have an identity, no. but I think like in the '90s it did, and the identity was weird, kind of dark, and like didn't, and like maybe a little surreal. So. Mm-hmm. And like B B movie Hollywood as well. Yeah, yes, yes. Like we really yeah, want to like, make money, but we don't have the budget. But we're gonna yeah. try our fucking best. Which uh, you know we yeah. It's okay. <laughs> I, I have a lot to say about Canadian film. I guess for the first time in my life. Okay. No, you should be a proud thank you, Canadian. Thank you, thank you, Come thank on. Thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'm gonna try. Okay. <laughs> so Jeanette basically like. I think we can both agree he probably made this movie because he was like, I can make enough dough off of this deal to go back and make my passion project, which is Amelie, which is another like divining film from France. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. I, I actually love Amelie. It's one of the films that got me into <sighs> foreign films. It's so good. Every once in a while, I confuse it up with Chocolat, which I don't like at all. But then I remember, <laughs> no, Amelie is so good. Yes. Um, yeah not the right guy to get this movie sorry no and the biggest problem was that he did not speak english and this doesn't have to be a sticking point on films (laughs) but in this case uh there was something about having to use an onset translator that did not translate well so funny um have you seen the troll 2 documentary best worst movie i know of it and i haven't seen it 
Okay, I recommend it. But one of the big issues with that movie was that all the filmmakers didn't speak English. Oh, God. And all of the actors didn't speak Italian. Right. So it was like a script going through Google Translate. And I can kind of see the same thing happening here. Yeah, I just, I can't imagine trying to convey an artistic vision. Like, it's different if you're saying, okay, I need more from this performance. But like, when you're trying to rally an entire set with crew, and like, this is not a small enterprise, this isn't a little film. Mm -hmm. I just can't imagine needing that extra step of saying, okay, now I need to make sure I tell this person exactly what I want, so they can change the language and repeat it. Like, that's a bad game of telephone. Oh my god. And set is already such a stressful, intense place. I can't imagine that helped. Right. You would know way better than I would. You're a natural filmmaker. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they did have a, a script from, at the time, a bit of a wonder kid named Joss Whedon. Wow. Yeah, who at the time we would have loved, and now we don't love quite as much. Mm, yeah, it's complicated. <laughs> Very complicated. Trust Very me. complicated now. Actually, so I know that there's been, over the last, I don't know, five years, slowly but surely, there's been some bad news erupting about him. Mm-hmm. But I don't exactly know what the latest one is. Can you help me? I mean... What, I, what went down? So the latest one is that he was exhibiting racist behaviors to the no. people of color when he redirected Batman versus Superman after Zack Snyder left. Oh, God, that poor movie. Um, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't seen it, but it just sounds like a lot of bad stuff was happening to it. It was a uh, troubled production. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so he, so racism issues. That's very disappointing. Yeah. Which is like on top of then the misogynistic accusations that have trailed him in the wake of his divorce from his former wife. Uh, someone I always forget was involved with the Alien franchise. And this was like when Buffy was just starting to come around. It would have been in development if not yet in production. Yeah, because he like he worked he was actively working as a screenwriter. Like he did, uh, if I'm not mistaken, a pass on Toy Story and like a couple of other things. I feel like also maybe Stuart Little, but I could have invented that. Uh, I know for sure that Forbidden Planet Disney animated one. Uh, it's, but yeah, like he he was behind some of these films that were obviously quite commercial, and he had you know it's Joss Whedon, so he had a good ear for dialogue. Uh, so he ultimately is not impressed with the way that this movie turned out, and he's gone on the record multiple times talking about how much he is disappointed in the final product. Oh, yeah, he's brutal about it. Have you read any of his, like, statements on this film? Because it's rough. Yeah. I mean, I know for sure that he was unhappy with that third act. And Mm -hmm. um, it had a very different ending. Apparently, the ship was actually supposed to crash on Earth, and the whole climax was going to take place there. But um, I, I just think he feels like he gave them gold, and they turned it into... Pewter. Yeah, I was like, "What? What's wrong with that? What's a bad metal? Nickel?" Actually, pewter is good. I take it back. It's like a, it's fancy. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like he was, he was pissed Mm -hmm. about this film altogether, and he seemed like he was pretty obsessed with taking the the Alien franchise to Earth. And I don't think that other people were as obsessed with taking the franchise to Earth. Sigourney Weaver being. Yeah. One of those people. Well, it's tricky, right? Because at the end of the day, they thought the franchise was dead and then they made this one. And clearly 
were looking at the possibility of doing more. Mm-hmm. Like and, right away. Yeah. And I think one of the things that Joss Whedon is annoyed with is that he gave them the opportunity to finally bring the franchise to Earth, which is something that fans had been clamoring for. Oh, so, really? Okay. I was yeah. like, what's with... Oh, okay. You mean fans because it's the it. most boring creative decision that any screenwriter could make? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, like, I, it's, yeah, Earth is fine. And as a um, sidebar, of course, if you want to see how that turns out, literally watch the Alien vs. Predator franchise because that's what it is. It's aliens on Earth, and it's not that interesting. Well, no matter who wins, we lose. <laughs> yes, one of my we, favorite ca- the audience. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's such a good tagline, though. I'm obsessed it, with it. It is, yeah. And I'm um, to be clear, I'm not shitting on that first film because it's fun. It's just not. It's not like a great alien or predator film. Spoiler alert! It kind of seems like that franchise might still be alive, oh, while yeah. this one may be dead. So, Alien Resurrection, dead, over, it's done. Made a lot of money though. And so, of course, Fox was ready to move right into a fifth film. And in 1997, producer Tom Rothman went on record saying that Joss Whedon was ready to write the fifth film and that they were courting Sigourney Weaver and Winona Ryder to return um, with money, I'm assuming. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So Joss Whedon went on to say that if he did get a writing credit, which is how he phrased it, which is kind of Hmm. sassy i think for alien (laughs) 5 the script would take place on earth and be very different from the other films i i forget what he said exactly but he went on record saying that like people think that they didn't do his script justice but in his opinion like his whole script was there they just made every possible wrong decision like in the production department i do remember that yeah yeah, it sounds kind of sour, though. It's like, okay, let's let's just try to respect each other's work. Hey, okay. <laughs> um, one of the rumored titles for that Alien Five was going to be Alien Revelation. And here's okay. Do you feel like there's about thirty different sequel titles in the bag in Hollywood that they just like select at random? Revelation yeah. and Resurrection being two of those titles. Oh man, it's yeah. What is like, this marketing? Like somebody just has more. a giant hat on a table that has <laughs> yeah. twenty slips of paper, and they're all just marked Revelation, Revolution, yeah. Homecoming. Yeah, it's uh, not. I, I, it's there's got to be a reason. Like it's obviously like these are words that people attracted to or something. But yeah, buzzy. It's so weird. Yeah, buzzy, buzzy. Revelation, yeah. What was the big revelation? Was it Matrix Revelations? Was that the movie that came out? Correct, yes. No, Revolution. Oh, close enough. Same thing. What was Alien 2? Oh, Reloaded. That's terrible. They're all ours, too. They are. Right? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think about this a lot, so maybe that's a new podcast. Sigourney Weaver was on record saying that she absolutely was not into the idea of going back to Earth. And, um, There was no Twitter back in the day, so Joss Whedon eventually kind of replied in an interview saying that he was no longer interested in working on other people's IPs, which is so funny because that's kind of all he did post, what, Firefly, and he had so much success with the Marvel IPs. Yeah, I can't help but wonder if this is either a, you know what, my stance has softened now that I've been in the game longer, and like he's he's a proper filmmaker now, so mm. I wonder if part of it was that as a script writer, he had an idea of how it would turn out, and when it didn't look like how he envisioned he would do it, he was disappointed, and then maybe after a while you're like, oh, okay, I kind of understand now that I'm in the game and directing my own gigs. Yeah, and like being allowed to direct too. 
And and also, I mean, yeah, like in a way, he kind of got to come back and make the types of movies he wanted to do as a screenwriter. Only he was given even more money, so so much money. He was probably like, "Oh, cool, yeah, give me tons of money and let me play in this sandbox with other people's IP. I'm fine now." Yeah, and I think he's a big, big nerd when it comes to comic books. So yes. I kind of feel like when it when he got a Marvel property, that was like, what mm-hmm. was the first? He I think it started off with Wonder Woman. That was the first like thing he got attached to way before Avengers happened. Well, he um, wrote a script treatment for it that DC ultimately passed on. But yeah, like oh. a lot of people were hoping that he was going to do it. He wrote a X-Men uh, series of graphic novels. So that kind of got him into the world of superheroes as well. Is that is that Marvel X-Men? Uh, at the time, it would have been Fox. But the oh. comics that he was writing were technically Marvel properties. Gotcha. Okay, interesting. It's the, I, the confusing yeah. thing with like studios, right? And of course, it's gotten easier now that Marvel and Disney own Fox. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know, which we're going to get into as well later, because people were scared that when Disney took over, that Alien was going to be left out to dry. But I don't and, think that's the case. Oh, I don't. Oh, we might have to disagree. Okay. <laughs> oh, you think it is going to be left out to dry? I 100% think it is, yeah. No, that's so sad. But it's going to make Disney, so much money. Why would they do that? Because Disney's dumb, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. House of Mouse, get get it together. Question, do you think that, like, they're afraid of, like, horror or violent properties? Or do they just not really want to deal with something unless it's a for sure hit? I think both, to be honest. Uh-huh. I think they know what's what is well within their wheelhouse. But I think they're also driven by things like SEO and metrics. So they look at it and they're like, okay, it's not a Marvel. It's not a Star Wars. It's not a Pixar. I can't sell it to Hulu because it's like too adult. So Mm -hmm. mm, I'm not going to make it. Like the New Mutants is a perfect example of the wet feet kind of approach they have to mature content, but especially horror. Definitely got its own episode of Development Hell. Oh my god, I've never seen it, but I feel like it's just such a quintessential movie that uh, I feel so bad for it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, there's um, there's lots of stuff there. Although I don't know how I feel about Josh Boone, to be honest. I feel like we're giving him a lot of chances. Is this the guy that made it? I feel like it is. I feel like... It's Josh Boone. I don't know. Make something good. I'm very worried about the stand. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that'll be a litmus test. I just how not good does that look? I have to say, like, if you tell me it looks good, I'll reconsider. But I'm, I'm scared. I think the cast looks good. Okay, really? Okay, yeah, you're right. Oh, James, whatever his last name is, I, I see for that character a hundred percent. And I want to root for Amber Heard. I, I don't. I, I have my reasons, but I, uh, I'm rooting for her. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's another. Po- okay, you know what? Too many polarizing <laughs> figures. Talk to me yeah. about James Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Years pass, and then all of a sudden, James Cameron comes out of the woodwork, director of Aliens. In case you don't know. And he spoke to the BBC about potentially returning to the franchise. He discussed the possibility of working with Arnold Schwarzenegger, of all people, and having Sigourney return. Yeah, okay, so thoughts on Arnold Schwarzenegger in an Alien film? You say no? Absolutely not. Because the problem is, is the minute you put Arnold into this, it's going to become Terminator versus Alien. Mm-hmm. Or where's the predator at? Also, you know. Oh my god, I didn't even think about that, but absolutely, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, I'm gonna because it's your franchise more than it is mine. I'm gonna fully respect that and say <laughs> I agree with you. 
Um, I mean, it's the kind of thing where you can understand why they would say this is a good idea because it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. He's going to bring in butts to seats, right? Oh, for sure. But I just think it's the wrong kind of personality for this franchise. Also, I don't need a leading man in this franchise. No, Um, absolutely not. Which is something... I guess the Alien Covenant had a leading woman again, which I have not seen. But um, Yes. Does Prometheus have a, was it a lead male or a lead woman? It's a uh, Nomi Rapace, so. Oh, okay. Excellent casting, actually. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen, obviously. And it was around this time that Mr. Ridley Scott had directed Nicolas Cage and Matchstick Men. And he told the magazine back then that he thought Nicolas Cage would have been a good fit for the franchise as well. Jesus. <laughs> I, I, I can see it. I I can see it. I don't think he, he shouldn't be the lead, obviously, but you can't see him in space getting murdered by a big alien. I mean, I could see him as a kind of Ron Perlman from Alien Resurrection, <laughs> yes. larger than life character, but particularly the evolution of Nick Cage as, uh, I dare say, actor into caricature at this point. Uh-huh. Maybe back in late 90s, sure. But when they were talking about making Alien 5, 100% no. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I am not a Nicolas Cage fan, like I think a lot of people may be, but that zaniness, I just kind of feel like I can kind of buy it to some degree, although I, I, I don't want a dude leading any of these films. No. Um, his recent like horror stuff has made me think, like, maybe. Did you see Color Out of Space? I did. I, I have a weird relationship with it because I saw it at TIFF. And I did rest- too. So I don't know if you went to the Midnight Madness screening. I did, okay. yeah. So I had a lot of trouble with that because I do think he's giving a decent performance, but the way the audience received it was they were howling with laughter at every yeah. serious beat. Yeah, that's what we're doing to him now. Yeah. yeah, and the problem is, though, like, that's what he brings to films now. So if you wanted to make a serious film, you can't cast Nicolas Cage in it anymore. <laughs> no, you can't. And obviously, Elijah Wood is listening, so he should take note. I, I, how is that not Barbara Crampton? I was, like, pretty sure it was Barbara Crampton in that movie, and it just wasn't. And that's yeah. my, my biggest problem with it. <laughs> Put her in more stuff. Um, Put her in more so- good stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't think I've seen her in anything good since, like, what, you're next. But I haven't actually been watching what she's doing. Yeah, she she does a lot of DTB. Yeah, it was kind of her, her shtick. Even when she was younger, that was kind of the thing that she was up to. That what was true. that haunted house movie she made a couple of years ago? Like, We Are Still Here or something? Does that sound familiar? Oh, that one's actually really good. Yeah, that one was good. Also, like, she's a certain, this is objectifying, but there's a certain, like, trope of like mature like hot lady that i'm obsessed with you know like a connie Britton or like oh yeah even, like i'm like i think it's all gay guys are probably yes into that but it's you like, like a horror milf i get it oh yes i love them alien 5 dead didn't dead. happen no no one wanted it or i guess people did want it but it just didn't happen and then of course alien versus predator hit the scene with mr paul ws anderson and that really stopped all questions of a you know alien 5 canon sequel at that point we're gonna jump a little bit into the neil blancamp uh potential alien 5 who is this 
Neil Blomkamp person. <laughs> I need to know. All right. So he hails from South Africa, but he has been living in Canada for quite some time. And he, again, it's like kind of a bit of a wonder kid. So he really burst onto the scene when he made District 9, uh, which, you know, got him even Oscar success to a certain degree. But his background is in animation and short films, commercials. So he's actually kind of perfect for the alien films, because if you look at like Fincher and even Jeanette, to a certain extent, like their background is in these smaller kind of passion projects. So the thing that really got Blomkamp on the map was he made a Halo short in 2007 or a couple of shorts. And people were like, oh, my God, hire this guy for everything, but specifically to make a Halo movie. Mm -hmm. That could also be another episode because that shit never came together. Just and, crazy because that was like the biggest video game ever released. Where is the movie? Mm-hmm. Well, I think what it is is they couldn't crack it as a feature, which is one of the mm. reasons why the shorts do so well is because it's it's just a couple of minutes, so you can sell everything that game has to offer in bite sized packages. Uh, yeah, offensive maybe. Yeah. No, I'm okay. <laughs> it's the power of shorts. Okay. Um, so. If nothing else, the shorts did get him this attention uh, by Peter Jackson. So, you know, re-enter Peter Jackson onto the scene. I know. And that Halo film was potentially going to come, but it never really came about. And instead, we end up with District 9, which uh, Neil, Neil Blomkamp wrote with his wife, Terry Tatchell, and yeah, uh, so as I mentioned, they they got Oscar buzz for it. It was a huge commercial hit. What do you think of this one? Yeah, uh, it's really like it's very sad and very like insightful in a in a package that looks like a big action movie. Mm-hmm. Like, especially uh, you know, in a post-Trump world, talking about the themes of like illegal aliens and just yeah. and like apartheid and discrimination against you know people that are different. Like at the time it hit, but now it's like. Yeah, very, very heavy stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think if you compare like this film to his like to Jeanette's work on sorry, if you if you compare, you know, what Resurrection came to be and what a Blomkamp number five could have been, uh, you can see District Nine as like, oh, my God, yeah, he's got control of space and aliens and weird character beats and that sort of thing. Like even Chappie, which is the film that he would end up working with Sigourney Weaver on, which is kind of how alien five starts to come together in this alternate reality. It's still very, so I hate Chappie. Oh, I think it has a great look and the movie is insufferable. I have not seen it. So tell me more. I'm interested in this negative opinion, to be honest. So part of it is that the film takes as its central characters, um, they're like a rock punk group in real life, but they're musicians. Oh yeah, Die Antwerp. (laughs) Yeah, and they're absolutely atrocious actors. (laughs) That's so funny. Okay. So it's just kind of not enjoyable to watch these people who are not good at a particular craft try to do <laughs> something. Do you remember when they came out in like 2009 with that Enter the Ninja song? Does that sound familiar to you? They no. are they're very weird and I can't imagine that they were good actors. Yeah, and it kind of feels like he's like I think one of the issues that people have or maybe this is just me projecting. One of the issues I have 
with Neil Blomkamp is that his films all feel derivative of District 9. Like he had this one great idea, this one big success, and he's been chasing it ever since. Because that the one that he made with Matt Damon is also kind of terrible, but they all look good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So part of it is I think people were, we want him to succeed because we like his visual eye, but his storytelling is not always great. So to then put him into Alien is like, okay, well, this would ground him to a certain degree. That's like, oh, I feel like that's like the darkest timeline for a filmmaker to like break out in the scene, have something amazing, and then to never be able to succeed on that level again. That's, yeah. Well, you never know. Maybe he, he needed that Alien 5. Maybe that's what threw him off base. Oh, absolutely. It's entirely possible. <laughs> but yeah. What is Chappie about? Do you remember? So Chappie is about a robot. I I want to say it's a police robot, but it might just be like a factory robot that has a kind of sentience and it gets programmed to be part of a resistance. Oh my god, Wally. Yeah, it's basically a lot of people actually called it a live action Wally. Oh really? Oh no. And the whole thing is like it eventually comes to have a heart and it wants to protect these <laughs> dive antwerp people. And oh. um yeah, it's a whole thing. Oh, that's too bad. South Africa needs, I guess, a different musical icon duo to put in movies. Yeah, that could be helpful. It is kind of cool that, like, this is how he teamed up with um, Sigourney Weaver. I, I I have this, like, vision that, like, he casted her just so he could, like, give the hard pitch for Alien right. 5. <laughs> I didn't even want to make this movie originally, but I needed a way to get into contact yeah. with Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, yeah. Who seems to be making... At least interesting film choices all along the way, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For someone that's, like, A-list, super hot, you know, movie star, like, she makes some weird shit. You have to think that she would have her choice of productions at this point, because, like, she's not just trotting out to work with just old anybody, so... No, 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 no. I get the sense from the research that I did that, like, her and Joss Whedon are not best friends, but then she was in, uh... Cabin in the Woods. So maybe they are best friends, you know? Yeah, because I have no idea how she ended up in that movie. But of course, he did co-screenwrate that. So Yeah, but I guess he didn't direct it or do anything else. Yeah, that's the Drew Goddard. Mm -hmm. Very Buffy season six. Are you a Buffy person? Oh, 100%. Okay, good. Me too. Um, (laughs) What do you think about season six? I actually really like season six. It's just, it's not a satisfying season when you look at how the other ones come together. Like, it's really dark, and people don't like that. They don't want dark Buffy. Yeah, I don't think, part of what rattled me at the time was, like, not even the darkness, but, like, the darkness in the sense of, like, seeing her have to get a day job. Like, seeing Buffy work a job. Fast food. Was was way darker than her mom dying, in my opinion. Like, that was the real darkness of life that I'm not sure I needed in Buffy. Well, yeah, because, I mean, being a slayer doesn't pay the bills. But it should. We need to reallocate funds from the police to the slayers. There we go, yeah. Make slayers essential workers and pay them a living (laughs) wage. Yes! Uh, 
all slayers are good. Actually, that's not true. Some are bad. This is true. Um, yeah. Some are really, really bad. <laughs> um, so now we know who Neil Blomkamp is. Mm-hmm. I hope I say his name right. I am not sure. I get really insecure every time I have to say it. Oh, one um, of the fun things about podcasting is realizing you're just going to say things wrong all the time. And the <laughs> internet will correct you. No, they don't. They, they're, they're too nice, actually. They're, they don't want to hurt my feelings, I think. So oh, okay. that's, that's my relationship with the internet. Well, I um, am jealous of you. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully one day I get to the point where people are calling me out and canceling me. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Because if they do a little bit of Googling, I'm sure they could figure out why. Um, okay, so Neil Blomkamp's Alien. This mm-hmm. is why we're here. This yeah. is what this whole episode is centered around, because it was so cool seeming on new year's day 2015 which is like a pretty iconic day to do any kind of um indie releasing mm-hmm. mr neil self-released some artwork commissioned by ty rubin ellingson for a spec alien 5 concept so he got all of this incredible um spec art done by this really cool artist that he works with and he just released it to the internet he had no contract with fox he had no connections with anyone other than i believe sigourney at the time and this was just like a very ballsy move to sort of put his uh hat in the ring Mm -hmm. i i love that you said ballsy because that's a hundred percent i was like man the brass and the largesse of these yes yes this is like okay internet i have an outlet that i can just flood Mm -hmm. with content and be like hey don't you think this is great petition me to get this job how long it would have taken to get that meeting otherwise right Uh, um and this is before i'm guessing this is a little bit before like twitter took over oh no 2015 i am i am wrong okay yeah it was just something that he did and it really worked out Mm -hmm. um so and you have to check out not you but anyone listening needs to check out these concept pieces of art we're gonna add them the link in the show notes because they are like if they're heartbreaking you're gonna see them and you're gonna like yeah you immediately are like i want to see this movie please yeah yeah immediately like you you, all the way through 2020 you were brave and like bad stuff was happening but you were like holding it together you're gonna see these you're gonna have a complete breakdown and you're welcome yeah Um, this will be what breaks you this is going to be what does it. The film is going to be, I don't know if I love or I hate this word, because I keep using it, a recalibration Ugh. of the franchise. Do you hate it? I remember when they were using that term for a horror movie. Oh, yeah, the Halloween franchise at one point. They were oh. calling it a recalibration. God, yes, of course they would use it for the Halloween franchise. And, and not the Bloomhouse one. The 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 one before, the like Halloween Returns, which is right before Dimension. Resurrection. I know Halloween Resurrection is another one too. Halloween, yeah, that, that poor franchise, um, which I have a lot about to say as well. And of course, you'll have heard that by the time this comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they were going to retcon Alien 3 and Alien 4, which was very ahead of the times Bloomhouse, um, which I, I hate. I, I, I see the benefit of retconning bad sequels, but I just kind of feel like it's so disrespectful. And you can. You can ignore sequels without having to take out the big eraser and, like, change history, in my opinion. Yeah, Um, it's tricky, right? Because in some ways you say, okay, well, we've accrued too much baggage. This just allows us to get away from that and tell a simple story that we think is compelling and will bring people back. But at the same time, yeah, it does definitely feel disrespectful to say oh that hard work that other people did we consider yeah, it yeah. garbage we're just gonna wipe it away 
I made Chappie, but David Fincher, fuck you. Like, okay. Exactly. Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> but it, it did look incredible. The art was online. People freaked out, uh, even though Fox had really nothing to do with it at the time. But this pitch seemed to work because mm-hmm. not long after that, Neil was hired by Fox and eventually announced via Twitter that Alien 5 was going to be his next film. Yes. Very inspiring for we the filmmakers so out there. so excited. I know, <laughs> but don't get too excited because it's going to f- flop. Yeah. 20th Century Fox did officially announce that they were going to greenlight the project. But even back in the day, they made sure to to talk about how it was a completely different entity than Prometheus, which was in development or in release at the time, which is sort of the cursed production that would destroy this version of Alien. And it's kind of funny because in theory, it could have worked, right? Because Prometheus is ultimately revealed to be a prequel. And you think, oh, well, that doesn't change the timeline. So we could still be building out the back half of this with yeah. Alien 5. And instead it's like, no, you only get one. You see, because, but you're even using the word timeline I've, in the in like 2015 to now is just like, oh, we don't do that anymore. No. Like in the 90s and uh, I guess the 80s, I feel like these franchises were so respectful to these timelines. Like even this, the, the Halloween movies, as crazy and bad as they got, like they, like you could tell someone had like a big Bristol board and they were like, we're holding on to what had happened. And I feel like now we just drop everything. Right. Yeah. You know, I was going to try to challenge you on that. And then I'm like, no, cause even in nightmare on Elm street, they, you know, they, they forget convenient parts that they don't really want to touch on, but they don't try to erase them. They're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. We are going to keep Freddie as a child murderer. Oh, okay. Yeah. He is also going to be a pedophile. Oh yeah. He was birthed from like rape. Oh yeah. It was a thousand people who raped. <laughs> yeah. Here's my question. So he, his dad was one person or his dad was a hundred people. Cause well, if his dad was a hundred people. <laughs> I don't understand how that happened. Yeah. I think medically you can only have one father, but it makes for a much uh, more, scandalous tale if you say it's a hundred convicted criminals and a little bit more hr geiger a little bit more sci-fi yeah like what's the science behind that i don't actually um want to know god i just pictured like (laughs) competing freddy sperm now (laughs) actually it sounds very uh freddy's dead actually or it's gonna be like claymated or like or seed of chucky yeah (laughs) oh seed of chucky um that that keeps coming up on this podcast and I need to rewatch it because how do I feel about it? I don't know. John Waters was in it, apparently. So he that's is. Kind of yeah. Cool. No, it is fun and stupid and very campy. So if you like camp, it's a good one for you. I mean, I love camp, but I my favorite of those movies are when they got scary again with mm. Curse of Chucky. I'm like obsessed with Curse of Chucky. Yeah, I mean, this one's emphatically not scary. No, I saw it in theaters with my dad. Alien 5 mm. was uh, <laughs> considered to be called, I believe... Red Harvest was a title back in the day, but also Awakening was also a title back in the day, which is another one of those titles that yes. is just like thrown around willy nilly Billy. I remember Awakening, not Red Harvest. Oh, you! Re- I feel like Red Harvest may have been like a fake name, oh, like a reference yes. to something else in the franchise that like right. put on this the thing. I love like fake production names for things. I never remember what they are, but they're always so silly. So Sigourney and Neil heavily promoted this concept that they were working together on Alien Five during their chappy promotional tour together, which is again, pretty brave considering like, 
you know, Hollywood is very finicky and things fall through the cracks all the time. So it's kind of like you don't want to announce that pregnancy until, mm-hmm. I don't know, second trimester. I, that was a bad metaphor, but ultimately it works. Yeah, don't um, announce the movie until the face hugger <laughs> is firmly on. Yes, because, you know, until then you have to... Yeah, exactly. So uh, further artwork appeared on Instagram that was pretty cool. Some of that included the character Hicks, yes. which people were really excited about because that's like a big fan favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, and another fan favorite that was in the art was Newt, who was kind of killed off pre-Alien 3. Yep. So that would have been a really cool one to bring back if you're going to retcon an Alien 3. And the artwork for Newt was really cool too. Um, Michael, correct me if I'm wrong. Bean. It's Bean. Michael Bean. Yeah. Um, who played Hicks made a social media update explaining that he would be returning for Alien Five. Sure. Um, but that 20th Century Fox had actually put the breakers on the project mm-hmm. as Ridley Scott finished making his sequel to Prometheus. So this is when things started to uh, red flag. Yeah, we get a little bumpy here. <laughs> it's getting bumpy. And the second I brought up Ridley Scott is, of course, when things are going to fall apart. So yeah. Scott was announced to be the executive producer on the project, but he was going around in his own promotional tours for Covenant saying that it wasn't likely to happen. Um, so that's weird because everyone else is saying, yes, this is going to happen. Sigourney Weaver talked a little bit about what the plot would have been up to and uh we learned that we were going to learn a little bit about the backstory on the xenomorphs what they're up to what their evolution is doing like what do they want we wanted to know yeah i gotta admit that's kind of the other big storyline that people want like take us to the alien home world which of course is actually what prometheus ended up doing um and covenant as well to a lesser degree but it's just it that's also a bit of a storytelling chasm for me. Like, I don't really care to know more about the Xenomorphs. Like, yeah, they're alien. I don't need to know about their thought process. Yeah. Rob zombie Halloween remake. I don't need to know why he kills people. Yeah. It makes it less scary. It always makes it less scary. Yeah. And you're never going to satisfy everybody. So ultimately you're just setting yourself up to disappoint part of your audience. It's still kind of cool. Like, I think I'd like to see that in maybe a graphic novel because that would be gross and Ooh. like bonkers. It's that it's entirely possible it's been handled because I know there has been a successful line of alien comics throughout like cool. all of these fallow periods. I love all of these like weird fran- horror franchises that get their own comics. Oh yeah, and I'm sure some of them are amazing. I have not played Alien Isolation. I think was the big video game. I heard it's I, very scary. That's what I hear, and <laughs> I I am. I have a hard time with scary video games. They really get to me. So because apparently, like, um, you can't even fight. You just have to hide. Oh, see that I would see. I like that because fighting scary. Um, that was my what I did a lot in the Friday the Thirteenth video game. I was like, I was a hider. Oh, okay. but he can get you. Yeah. Get oh yeah, they, they always get you. <laughs> I loved that game, Joe. Why do you think this uh, this Alien Five did not occur? So Fox is marketing Ridley Scott's Prometheus sequel as Alien Covenant. So all of a sudden, Alien is back in the title. Because that was one of the issues people had with Prometheus, is that it didn't have Alien. And it was like, how are audiences going to know that it's an Alien film if you don't have that in the title? Because mm-hmm. we're apparently all stupid. Mm-hmm. So, um, so at this point, Scott 
is starting to downplay his role. And he's like, no, I'm not really involved in this at all. And he's even, as you said, he's kind of like publicly undermining it. So we've got a PR war brewing between these two parties. So he's out there talking about Alien Covenant. He's like, I don't understand why we need these other sequels. Like, I'm making definitive sequels. These are all going to connect. And people were like, hmm, why do we need them? Mm-hmm. So he gets increasingly more sour in these interviews as he's going around. And even though he's meant to be the EP of this fucking movie, he's basically saying, no, you can only have one and I'm making one of them. So clearly we know which one he's aligning his horse to. So uh, the other issue is that there's an inference that there is no script for Alien 5. So even if you wanted to make it, you couldn't because uh, Ridley Scott is saying there's no script. So there's nothing to shoot. And on the other side of this divide, both Neil Blanco and Sigourney Weaver are saying like, no, there's a script. Like we're working on it. We've seen it, whatever, whatever. So uh, a little bit more concept art gets leaked in September of 2017. And this is like, oh, sorry. Yes. Okay. Uh, Yeah. So more concept art gets leaked in September of 2017. Although it's also at this point that Neil Blomkamp says, you know what, this is only concept art and the project is now dead. I'm probably not going to make this movie. Yeah. This is like two years since he initially released yeah which is very like i think it was very frustrating for a lot of audiences because they kept doing this dance where they would say no it's coming like no we're working on it really it is going to happen and then all of a sudden it's like here's one last little dribble also i'm not doing this and everybody's like Mm -hmm. well what have you been doing for the last two years (laughs) and sigourney was like we're doing this which Mm -hmm. is like okay so if you're sigourney saying it i'm gonna buy it it makes me kind of think that they never actually did get past that point. Like people were talking uh-huh. about it. I don't think that there was like a contract. Like, I don't think that mm-hmm. script did get written and maybe Sigourney was being gaslit or like, she was probably having conversations and being like, so you're getting this down, right? I'm going to see pages. And it's like, no. <laughs> yeah, I think so too. Or like maybe they saw the success they had with just releasing that art into the world. So maybe they were thinking, well, if we just keep talking about it, maybe we'll get it made. Yeah. So basically, as of September of 2017, the project is officially dead. The director himself is saying it's not going to happen. But he he he's always been a little bit shy about talking about it publicly. So he'll talk about how he still respects Ridley Scott. He's one of, you know, Scott is one of his biggest heroes. And he doesn't ever actually say like, oh, Ridley Scott totally killed this. Um, but he has said it's like emotionally complicated for him. So the reality is, is that Ridley Scott totally torpedoed this movie because he was too invested in making Alien Covenant and a potential third Alien film. And uh, sadly, that's why it didn't happen. I feel like a Prometheus, and I don't know about Covenant, but I'm just going to guess. It doesn't seem like he really wanted to be making like strictly alien films i feel like he wanted to make alien adjacent films and wasn't so interested in revisiting the xenomorph in fact i think he went on record saying that this franchise like didn't need the xenomorph anymore because we can't be scared by it anymore yeah it's complicated because when you watch covenant you can see that it almost feels like he's kowtowing to pressure that there wasn't enough alien in prometheus because there is more like there's proper xenomorphs, but well, they really market it as such. Yeah. yeah, but he is 
emphatically more interested in Michael Fassbender's character, David, and the AI. Very interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Was there some queer even, stuff oh, in Covenant? Yes, indeed there cool. is. <laughs> I don't remember there being queer stuff in Prometheus other than the overall vibe. <laughs> uh, there is a queer char- like couple in that film, but the, like all of the supporting couples are boring and one-dimensional. Well, that's too bad. Yeah. Um, and why didn't she just run to the side? <laughs> the the lingering yeah. question no one can answer. <laughs> yeah, so this is sad and dead and not going to happen. So that leads me to ask, what's next? What's going on? What are we going to do about it? Mm-hmm. We talked about earlier this Disney merger that happened, what, a couple of years ago now. And it has fans worried that the franchise lost priority under the supervision of the big mouse. Mm-hmm. Um, we were going to disagree about this. So what, what were you going to say? Oh, so you you seem to suggest that you didn't think Disney was going to bury this because yeah. they'll see the money. And I don't disagree that they can see the dollar signs in it, but I think they also realize that there's easier ways to make money, and that's basically spandex. Um, I'm still okay with them. It's just it's one of those things where you you wonder why Disney went to the effort to buy 20th Century Fox if they're then not going to activate their most vital pieces of IP. Like, don't put Alien back in the vault. There's clearly still an interested audience for this. It's just that yeah. those Ridley Scott films didn't fit the bill. Um, it's about merchandising and the Kingsman. Um, <laughs> well, in 2019. At something called CinemaCon, which I had not heard of, but I'm assuming is a big deal, Fox executive Emma Watts name-checked Alien along Avatar and other properties mm-hmm. that were going to be continued at sure. Disney under 20th Century Fox. Is that, you know, to be believed? We're going to have to wait and see. Yeah. Um, in March 2019, people may remember that a high school in the in New Jersey did an adaptation of Alien called Alien the Play. Oh, it was amazing. It looked so good. I also loved the title, Alien the Play, like get to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine that that's what they actually call the next film. Alien the Play. It's so really funny. Cool. It has a yeah. budget of $500. <laughs> yeah, and it's amazing. Um, yeah, and it was really like widely praised. Ridley Scott, James Cameron, and Sigourney Weaver all kind of talked about it because they were probably all just excited that the franchise was you know in the zeitgeist again even just yeah. a little bit it's so cute and too it's so cute and also like i um i love uh, the arts gotta support it yeah. unconfirmed rumors are out there that the story was maybe going to be incorporated into the next film but there's just no way that yeah that's the no case. absolutely not <laughs> although that kid whoever wrote that is probably like 29 now and is like yeah like ready to make their debut this so. is my ticket he's already moved to <laughs> los angeles yeah right? um shane black the director of the predator which came out not long ago has gone on record saying that alien versus predator the franchise mm-hmm. um, is still in development and that both studios are actually interested in making it, which makes me think that he may be in consideration for yeah. making it. Did you see the predator? I did see the predator and I didn't, I didn't like whole sections of it, um, which is really disappointing to me because it's him who I've loved a lot of Shane Black's work. And then Fred Decker from like, quintessential like night of the creeps fred decker they co-wrote that script and it's not good no way it looked interesting i like that it had a tiff premiere yeah i mean it's 
it's very much a crowd pleaser. It doesn't uh-huh. feel like it was willing to take risks. The characters are pretty garbage, but like a lot of the action is actually okay. And it clearly, again, suffered from some studio interference because like it's mm-hmm. edited in a weird way where you're like, oh, there's shit missing from this. Yeah, like what happened? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people would call him the kid from Room, but I'm brave enough to call him the kid from Doctor Sleep. Was <laughs> yes, and yes. that's all I know. And he died really badly in Doctor Sleep. I was Dead. not. I don't. I did not see that coming. What did you think about Doctor Sleep? Oh, that is a contentious piece, and I will. Re- I I'll redirect people to the Horror Quiz Patreon because Trace and I like nearly broke our friendship over that movie. Okay, uh, wait. So who was on what side? You have to tell me. I I was on the I don't love Doctor Sleep side. Okay, I hated it. I oh, absolutely okay. hated it. Um, <laughs> me and my friend Emily saw it in theaters, and we were like, "How is this so bad?" And then the whole horror community was just like yeah, absolutely obsessed with it and i was we were appalled and disturbed that yeah. that was the case so i'm happy to hear you're on the right side of history it's it's definitely one of those ones where you kind of mumble it under your breath if you don't like it because you're worried about getting yeah. booted out i know hereditary um just kidding i don't know how i feel about Ouch. Hereditary. Um, okay no hereditary is good hereditary is good is it I, wow, I don't know. Wow, Josh. Wow. I don't know. Okay. I lie about hereditary a lot, so I don't know what to say about it. You know um, what? If you if you truly believe something, you need to have the conviction to stand up for that, but also you better have a damn good argument. I hate cults, okay? okay. Get rid of oh, actually that's not true because I loved Midsummer, but I don't know if I loved it because of cults. Mm. I don't know. I loved it because of that opening scene, which forever changed me, I think. Okay. We're gonna have to send you to horror therapy. <laughs> Okay. We've got some issues to work out. Okay, I'd love to go to horror therapy. Um, have you heard about this horror therapy podcast called Psychoanalysis? Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, former guest on Horror Queers, Jen Ferradi, is one of the co-hosts. Oh, it's Jen. Yeah, uh, I'm lovely. obsessed with her. I've never, I've never heard her podcast, but I've heard her on other podcasts, and she seems cool. She is great, and she is a great Twitter follow. By the way, if oh. people aren't following her on Twitter, she's really good. Okay, I'm going to have to follow her immediately. Yeah, she's obsessed with Stephen King. Mm-hmm. She's on a Stephen King podcast that I like. Yes, so. yeah. Is this movie going to get made? Because I think something that this podcast needs to swerve to is like this whole, we get to decide, are these movies getting made or not? Like, uh-huh. it's in our hands. Oh, I see. Okay. It's responsibility. Right. Um, and I'm going to start off soft by saying, like, probably not. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with a probably not. That's Okay, you get like two words to say if it's going to get made or not. What do you say? Uh, I'm going to say maybe. Oh, definitive. Not at all. The opposite no. of definitive. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So there are plenty of ways Disney could be developing Something. a new alien franchise yeah. or a new alien project. Um, I, <laughs> with like the way that um, genre movies are made today, it seems very improbable that it's going to be like in canon to anything Absolutely. It's going to be a reboot. And I bet you dollars to donuts. I've never said that before, but I might keep saying it. Yes, definitely. Um, Thank you. Dollars to donuts that they're just going to call it Alien, a la Halloween 2018 or Scream 2021, which I called Emily, by the way. I I put money on that. So, which I hate, like, if you're going to remake it or reboot it, don't have the same cast. I'm so confused. Um, um okay well that's a whole other podcast it's a bit, yeah, yeah, yeah but i um, agree I, with you about the naming they will 100 percent keep it as basic as possible and part of that is because they're trying to go after more than just the horror audience but we're the ones who will get very upset about it 
oh yeah, but we're going to pay money anyways. Absolutely. So they're they like, already know they've got us. Yeah. Oh, and they do. Mm-hmm. So, oh well for us. Mm-hmm. Um, fans have been really excited for this Alien 5, and Disney might uh, like have their ear to the ground about that and might like placate to fans. Like there's a small chance. Yeah. So like maybe, maybe. That's, where maybe that's where the maybe lies. Yeah. But then again, Ridley Scott sounds like a sour diva and I don't think he's here for it. Yeah, so. she needs to back off this franchise. <laughs> yeah. Um, Even though her name is very close to Ripley. So like, was right? that on purpose? <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> yeah, she's pissed. And when nerds are pissed, they're going to stay pissed. But oh well. I mean, what's interesting, too, is that people got very excited when Ridley Scott came back to the franchise because I think they thought that it was going to be the retcon that we're now again talking about. And then those films didn't deliver. And now we all kind of want Ridley Scott to back off so that we can just get a new entry. Who would you give this to? Who would I give this to? Um, Yeah. Who would you give the new Alien film to? I would be super controversial. People would fucking hate it, but I would give oh, it I'm ready. to Ryan Johnson. Oh, why is that? That's controversial because people didn't like the last Jedi. Um, yeah. Jedi. Yeah. But like, didn't they realize that they did like it after they saw Knives Out and that they were just being picky? No. Well, non Star Wars fans, yes. Star Wars fans yeah, who maybe. are like. <laughs> I remember being like, I'm not a Star Wars fan. This seems just as good as the rest of them to me, but maybe I don't know. Uh, well, you like women and people of color, so yeah. That and and this is not to like pass judgment on all Star Wars fans, but there was a very vocal minority who was like, "Where are the men? How come women are making decisions?" And it's like, well, there were so many men in that movie back to the forties because that's when men were in power. It's not your time. Stand off. Oh my God! Can I stay here though? Because I'm Jewish and we didn't do so good back then. So right, yeah. No, um, you stay here, and we're gonna send like white straight dudes back to the forest. Okay, are you Jewish? I have to ask, because your last name has me wondering. I am not. Well, you are, you're blonde, right? I am, that, yeah. that, that dissuaded me. But the last <laughs> name could have been, so. Not to say I like you any less. Um, <laughs> I, not to say that I don't, though, so it's hard to say. <laughs> so we're both on a maybe, which is better than some of the other films on this podcast has covered, which have gotten hard nose. Halloween 3D, never gonna happen. No. Um, which is, I don't know if it's too bad or not. Whatever, that's a different episode. I like interesting failures. So part of this is like, I, I think the problem is, is that if we come back to the discussion that started all of this about science fiction and horror, is that um, it's always a risky financial proposition, but then it's expensive as fuck. Like, it's hard to make a $20 million space movie and do it well. Um, what about Leprechaun 4? Josh, what about Leprechaun 4? <laughs> Uh, wasn't that a $20 million space movie? <laughs> it looks no, it like wasn't. it was made out of cardboard boxes. It really does. It so does. It looks, you know, it kind of reminds me of the, the Star Wars Christmas special. Oh God. Yes. It's so, I actually saw it for the first time very, very, very recently. I mean, it's a hoot and a half, but it's not a good movie and it looks cheap. It's so bad. Um, yeah, I like that it exists though. Mm-hmm. Oh, Yes. Everything should exist. Everything should be given a chance. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. we live in a day and age where I just I don't know if the appetite from audiences for a new alien film is enough to convince somebody like Disney, who 
is only willing to now invest in certain types of projects to pull the trigger and greenlight something. Like noted narcissist Jason Blum would love to have ownership of the Alien franchise. Oh, of course he would. Although they they don't do sci-fi, so maybe. No. No. Um, although I guess uh, Happy Death Day to me was fairly sci-fi. So. Uh, it's getting there, yeah. Um, I didn't love it. I loved the first one so much, though. So uh, I think you just have to recognize that the second one is playing in a very different genre <laughs> sandbox. Yes, and I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready either. Mostly no because of the marketing. Me. I still blame the marketing. Anyway, that's a whole other conversation. Also. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely it is. Well, thank you so much, Joe. This was so fun, for me at least. <laughs> um, and I feel like now we have definitive answers to yeah. all of our questions. Yeah, this is absolutely maybe happening. Um, so you're internet famous. Can you tell everyone where they can find you on the internet these days? Yes. If you would like to follow my own personal stuff, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at be still my remote. And if you're interested in horror queers, the podcast I co-host with Trace Thurman, you can find us at horror queers. Well, thank you again. This was so fun. And I hope uh, I talk to you again someday soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for listening. And if you could do me a favor of subscribing and liking and telling a friend about this new podcast, that would be really cool. And I hope you keep listening and we'll be back with another episode of Development Hell.